Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So yesterday I didn't tell you this, but at least 10 lions were killed in southern Kenya over the last week. According to local officials, six lions were felled on Saturday alone. The lions were part of a pride that had attacked 11 goats and a dog the previous night, and all 10 were part of an ecosystem in a UNESCO site, which was part of a national park. Earlier in the week, a lion named Lun Kito, believed to be one of Africa's oldest at 19 years old, was fatally speared by herders, even though the elderly lion was starving because he had entered a livestock pen. And people are mourning it, and people in Kenya are upset about it. That is just a tip of the iceberg in the devastation of our natural wildlife. Joining us now is David Quammen. The Heartbeat of the Wild is his latest book, Dispatches from Landscapes of Wonder, Peril, and Hope. I guess, Mr. Quammen, you have to say the word and hope, although the book isn't terribly hopeful, I have to confess. David Quammen, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, there's some heartbreaking stories out there. Heartbreaking stories. And, you know, you've devoted your life to seeing these magnificent animals up close and personal. Um, I don't even know where to begin. You want to begin with Ebola, which you talk about a lot in your book? Um, the devastation. That it, I <laughs> well, mean, I you know, I don't know where to begin. You want to begin with these lions? Maybe you knew these lions. Did you know this lion in Kenya? I, I, I didn't know these lions, but I know how difficult it is um, anywhere where you have um, big predators interfacing with people, particularly uh, working people who are on the landscape trying to raise livestock, trying to raise goats, trying to raise sheep trying to raise cows, trying to raise water buffalo. I've seen it in places um, around the world. Um, When you have livestock that are the livelihood of poor rural people and you have big predators, then there is conflict. Sometimes those people have no weapons other than uh, maybe an agricultural hoe or a staff of some sort or a spear and they're trying to defend their goats or their cows or their buffalo against lions. Um, It's bad for everyone. Um, But there is hope. 
Um, I write about some situations toward the end of the book, as you probably saw, um, where uh, people are working to figure out ways uh, to protect humans from um, dangerous big predators and the big predators from humans. There is a project called the Lion Guardians that I visited in southern Tanzania where um, local men, formerly hunters who killed lions to protect their livestock, have been recruited to become trackers of lions who uh, follow individual lions in order to alert herders when there's a lion in the area to haze off the lion to alert the herders so that they can move their stock elsewhere um, and are protecting people from lions and lions from people, the lion guardians. It's one of the more hopeful things I saw. Um, a small project, but a very important kind of project. Um, and in Mozambique, Gorongosa National Park, uh, and other parts of Africa and around the world, there are small projects like that that do offer some hope. But it takes understanding of what wildlife needs as well as what humans need in order to adjudicate those difficult situations. Well, I was thinking, we're chatting with David Quammen of National Geographic. I mean, I, as, I was as I was reading this Daily Beast headline, the thing that struck me was that the lion was starving, right? So why is a lion starving on an African plain now? What's going on? Well, probably the lion is starving um, because uh, uh, there is uh, it's a difficult landscape, first of all. There's a lot of arid and semi-arid areas in Kenya and Tanzania where wildlife can barely make a living. And if the, uh, if the natural prey... The, the antelope and the other ungulates, the other herbivorous creatures, wild animals, have been eliminated, have been supplanted because there's only a certain amount of grass to graze and livestock have been eating up that grass so that there are no more wild herbivores, then big predators will either starve or they'll eat livestock. Um, nice. And I don't know the specifics of this particular situation, but... Um, uh, a, a big predator can be very desperate, um, starving when it mm. doesn't have its natural prey, and and the livestock are protected. So this this starving animal ended up in a livestock pen. Yeah. I gather it didn't yeah. kill any animals. It was killed first. Yeah. Um, it it might have been it might have been a um, a juvenile, a young male or a young female without a territory. Uh, that is generally what causes this kind of conflict and this kind of sad ending. So, David Quammen, a lot of your book, you talk about something near and dear to my heart for whatever reason, maybe because I read mm -hmm. a couple of books on the subject, but the plight of elephants has really taken over with me. I always feel like if I won yeah. the lottery that I would just give the money to the elephants to try and save the elephants. And we have, you know, a couple of sanctuaries, even in this country, there's one in Tennessee that tries to take, you know, um, elephants that used to be in zoos or in circuses and even though they're naturally not found here, they end up here, and we're trying to take care of them better than maybe in other places. But talk mm -hmm. to us about the elephants yeah. and about the streaking and the things that you discovered in your life as a naturalist, as a journalist. Oh, yeah. Well, one of these, one of these stories is about – it's actually, Lisa, about an organization called Save the Elephants, mm -hmm. um, founded by a wonderful elephant biologist named Ian Douglas Hamilton one of the grand old men of elephant research. 
I spent time with him, a photographer, and I spent time with him on the, on the Samburu National Reserve in northern Kenya. It's Again, it's another one of those semi-arid places, almost desert, a little bit of acacia savanna, a little bit of brush, not many things for an herbivore to eat, including elephants, of course, they are herbivores, but enough to support a population. Also a population of people, again, raising livestock. One of the things that Ian Douglas Hamilton has discovered um, by putting uh, collars on elephants with radio transmitters on them, and nowadays it's not just sending out a, at a, out a signal that somebody can pick up with an antenna, but it's, it's, it's being picked up and beamed back to um, computers at the headquarters of Save the Elephants that allow them to track these individual elephants. So one of the things he's found is that in these desert areas, elephants are constantly moving to find food, and sometimes they move along fence lines. Sometimes they move across territory that is occupied by humans, ranches. And sometimes they, they go on streaks or sprints across the desert from one habitat area to another. And he discovered to his surprise that some of these animals would travel, oh, 50, 60, 70 miles in one night across severe desert area in order to get to a little island group of mountains with a little bit of forest and savanna on it in order to feed there. And then they might spend some time there feeding and then streak back. And you can see these events on the digital information that he has gathered over time. And it's just amazing because it tells you that these these animals, uh, in some cases, are desperate, but they're also knowledgeable, they're enterprising, they know where they're going, and they are determined to get there. They're just trying say, to make I was going to say, how do they know if it's so far away and it's clearly not within their vision? How do they know where to go to get the food? And by the way, can they bring any back for anybody else, or is it just to make themselves strong enough to keep going as a leader? They can't carry food. No, they can't bring any back. Uh, but you know, remember the saying, Lisa, an elephant never forgets. Mm-hmm. Elephants are very intelligent animals. They're capable of learning. So uh, probably no one knows how the first elephant learned to make a streak like that. But they travel in groups. They travel in maternal groups, um, uh, female-dominated social groups, related females. So you might have a grandmother and um, three of her daughters and then nephews, younger nephews and nieces, elephant nephews and nieces, all composing this group. And the, the, the matriarch will have remembered that it's, possible to do such a trek because she learned it from her mother and her aunts when she was a calf. Um, it, It works like that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And in your experience, we're chatting with David Quammen, and the book is called The Heartbeat of the Wild Dispatches from Landscapes of Wonder, Peril, and Hope. Did you ever feel a connection with, I don't know, an individual animal, an elephant, a lion, any, any sort of an individual, a primate? You talk a lot about primates in your books, the bonobos and others. Did you ever have one of those yes. connections that changed your life kind of thing? Well, I don't know if it changed my life, but it certainly affected me deeply. For instance, um, when Nick Nichols, the photographer I often worked with, and I did a big project on the Serengeti lion, the lion population of the Serengeti ecosystem in Tanzania, this wonderful, huge habitat, savanna uh, habitat um, that supports lions and many species of antelope, um, elephants, zebras, giraffes, etc., we spent time with a very eminent uh, lion researcher named Craig Packer and his his support people, his assistants, following lions, lions that they knew by name, they knew by identity, they'd followed them for years. And one of those lions was a male named Seaboy, C as in the letter C. They just named them without much care for imaginativeness, A, right. B, and C. But Seaboy, Seaboy became memorable because one of the researchers had – had witnessed an attack on him by four other male lions who were trying to take over his territory. And they, they cornered him. She saw them almost kill him. And then Seaboy escaped, and he moved and established a different territory uh, where he had uh, access, mating access to a pride of female lions, started fathering new cubs, and had survived. And we came along. And there was Seaboy, and he was a beautiful animal with a partly black mane, which lions sometimes have. And so we followed Seaboy and told his story for this feature in National Geographic magazine. And that is Seaboy on the cover of this book, that magnificent photograph, oh, yes. the only photograph in this book oh, on the cover. Yes. That is Seaboy. And so we wrote about him, and he became famous in National Geographic. And then about four years later, we got news that Seaboy had died. Um, his luck ran out. Well, his life had stretched out. He was, he was old for a male lion in the wild. He was probably 10 or 11 years old, and he was found dead. Nobody knows what killed him, but his carcass was found and identified by one of the Serengeti guides, and that information went to one of the researchers that we had worked with, Daniel, a young Danish man, and he contacted National Geographic and let us know. And National Geographic asked me to write um, an obituary uh, mm. uh, for for Seaboy. So I revisited the story of Seaboy now that he was dead. Um, and we had these great photographs of him that Nick had taken. Um, and and I wrote the obituary of Seaboy. And, and that's in the book as you well. Know, um, David Quammen, the heartbeat of the wild, you've spent your life, your professional life, and I understand you live in Bozeman, Montana, so your personal life, mm -hmm. wondering at the beauty and the vastness of nature and the natural world. But it's also 
I mean, you talk about peril. and It, it makes me feel, and a lot of my friends feel, very overwhelmed about the constant progress of the species known as Homo, homo sapien and are, are just all, we just sort of destroy everything in our wake. It's just what we do. We're going to be building wind farms now and the whales are coming up on shore because we're probably altering their sonar navigation system. God knows what we've done in Africa. I mean, it's just, it's no matter where we are, we just decide that we're going to take over and ruin. What are some of the things that you ponder as actual practical solutions that for us as individuals and collectively we ought to be doing? Well, I think there are answers to that, Lisa, that are both specific to places and general to all of us. Um, I think the first step for all of us is to remember that um, there are 8 billion humans on this planet now, hungry, enterprising humans that consume, consume, consume. Some of us consume much more than others. You know, a, a family of eight uh, people in um, living a, um, a subsistence existence uh, in, a, in a village at the edge of a desert uh, somewhere in Kenya, um, they are consuming far less than a, an affluent family of two adults and two children would be consuming in the United States. So it's not just population. Population times consumption. We're all consuming. We need to think about how much we're consuming. We need to think about all the decisions that we make, you know, what we're going to buy, what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, how much we're going to travel, how much fossil fuel we're going to burn, what sort of electronic devices we have. Uh, our electronic devices require cobalt, the minerals cobalt and coltan. The, the laptop computer in front of me, the phone that we're talking on that I'm using, they require those minerals, and those minerals come – from just a few places, including the Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo, where they're mined by people living subsistence existence who have little, if any, access to protein except by eating wildlife. So we're all connected with responsibility. Uh, and we need to think about that with every act that we make. How much are we consuming? How much are we taking from the natural world? But there are places particular projects like Gorongosa National Park, the restoration of this park in Mozambique, which is done in a way that has brought wildlife back to the park, but also has brought new forms of making a living to the people in the buffer area surrounding the park. Shade-grown coffee with the replanting of native forest. Um, uh, girls clubs encouraging young girls to stay in school, not get married at 12 or 13, but to get educated. Um, these projects that are that are driven and organized by the park itself, but that are for the people surrounding the park. That's an example of what can tangibly be done to save some of these places, not at the expense of people, but actually to to uh, gain also some improvement in the quality of their lives. Have you seen David Quammen? Have you seen in your travels throughout the world that? there is an increase in consciousness about this, that more and more people care about saving these creatures? I have seen that, yes, yes. Um, not everybody, not enough, but that's, um, that's why I'm in this business. That's why I've done this work. Um, you care about the same things. That's why you're having me on and we're talking about these things. Yes, it's 
there's an effort to educate people that's necessary um, without preaching to people. I mean, I hope this book is not preachy. I hope this book is enormously entertaining, a book of adventure stories, mm. but it also has uh, it has a deeper message. Um, I'm talking about the, the essence of the wild and why it's precious and what we can do to preserve it, even while I'm telling adventure stories about people who are exploring and studying the wild. David Quammen, thank you for joining us today. The book is The Heartbeat of the Wild, Dispatches from Landscape, Landscapes of Wonder, Peril, and Hope. It does read like an adventure story, and there is an awful lot of really, there's an awful lot of information in the book that you wouldn't get elsewhere about the kinds of things that happen to animals along the way. And of course, you know, what it does is it makes us appreciate them that much more. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thanks for your depth of interest in this. I appreciate that. Yeah, me too. I appreciate your lifetime devoted to it. David Quammen on the Lisa Wexler Show, and we'll be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 